All right, good morning, you guys. Um, you know, we are, we're all born spiritually deaf and blind, every one of us. We're born into a broken world. We're all born as sinners, and we stay that way unless we come to a place in which we, we place our faith in Jesus Christ as God and King. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 6 says this. <clears throat> it says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. All right? So that's, that's the state that you're born into. You're born into a place with blinded eyes, blinded by an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves and as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now that's where we're going today. That last verse, God said, let light shine out of darkness. And for you guys who are already a Christian, that that's what's happened, is that you were one that you were in darkness, and God pulled you out of, out of the dark into the light, that He exploded into your life and, and around those that are, that are around your life as well. He's shown into your hearts, and uh, He desires for us to be a lampstand by which we don't, we're not opaque, that we don't, we don't kill the light, but we allow the light to shine straight through us, that we're transparent with the light that's inside of us. Guys, Satan is very real. Uh, he probably is not in Huntsville, Alabama today, but there he has a host of, uh, of an army of, called demons that they are a part of trying to help people their way to not see Christ, to not hear Christ, and to not speak about Jesus Christ. And that has to do with unbelievers, but also has to do with believers as well. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into uh, Mark chapter 7. Lord, uh, there's, there's uh, a few different people that we, we want to pray for right now, and God, that, that you would bring transformation in life. First of all, for our unbelieving friends, that they would clearly hear the gospel. They'd hear the greatest news of all, that Jesus came, He lived the life that they would never live. He died on the cross for their sins. He rose again on the third day, Lord. That you are God and that you are the salvation for their souls, Lord. And uh, we we pray for our unbelieving friends that today would be the day that they believe. That their ears would be open for the first time. That their eyes would be open for the first time. And that all that would result in, in a place that it would be a confession to you. And a confession even to others, Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord of their lives. God, we also pray for those that are they're believers that, for whatever reason, uh, they look back and there's times in their life where maybe they heard more clearly, they, they had a, a more of a touch from you, Lord. They, they felt it, it was palpable in their life, they were on fire for Jesus Christ. They spoke about you. There was no problem having gospel conversations with those that were Christians, with those that were non-Christians especially, Lord, that they look back in their life and just say, God, I, the, something's happened in my life. I, I don't hear as well, and I don't speak as well. God, we, we lift up our friends and just say, God, bring great healing. 
into our lives, Lord, uh, there. Um, but God, also for folks that truly need a physical healing, uh, that there's something going on in their life, and and maybe they've gone to doctors, uh, they've gone through all kinds of different type of physical or emotional therapy, and Lord, they're, they're still just at a place of physical bankruptcy or emotional br- bankruptcy, Father, even in marriages and relationships where there's a relational bankruptcy in their life, Lord. God, we just declare that you're the God that we're to come to, and you're the God we're to pray to for one another. And so just lift up anybody, Lord, who they've got a physical infirmity today, maybe a, a mental a mental difficulty, Lord, an emotional difficulty, even a relational difficulty, and that we'd be, we'd be courageous enough to go to one another, Lord, to go to a leader, to go to a friend in here and to say, would you pray for me that God would do a healing in me physically, that you do, he'd do a healing in me emotionally, that he'd do a, a healing in this relationship that I have, God, and that you would do just a holistic touch over us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in um, Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. And as I said before, this is one of the strangest stories in, in the Bible of what took place in this narrative here. Um, this, let's, let's look at it and we'll unpack it. Starting in Mark 7, verse 31. He returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged him to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He's done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And there's the word of God. Um, so let's start in uh, those first couple of verses. Um, this is a story about a man, a man who is deaf. And, and when you read deaf, that actually means deaf. It means he couldn't, he couldn't hear. Uh, says he has a speech impediment, which either means that he could not speak well or most likely that he wasn't able to speak at all. And it says that there were, there were some people that they brought him. They brought him to Jesus. Now guys, it's easy to miss this in, this in this short story, to skip right past that little phrase there that they brought to Jesus. They brought to him, this man. And, um, and that, that uh, um, the term that's used there to, to bring, it's a heavy term that they, they bring along to carry, um, it also has nuances of enduring and bearing with somebody to put up, put up with. And so this is a man, he can't hear, he can't speak, and I'm going to show you in just a little while why I think that um, this was not the way that he was born. I don't believe that he was, he was deaf or mute from, from the womb, um, but regardless, he had friends that brought him to Jesus and begged Jesus to put his hand upon the man. Now let's stop there for just a minute because this is a great story teaching us about evangelism. Um, now first of all, as, as you unpack that, these are people that knew the man. They knew this man. Secondly, they probably communed to the man that he needed Jesus, that they needed 
to get him to this person called Jesus. Even if they, he didn't know who the man Jesus was, they most likely said, you need this man that we're going to take you to. Okay. Third, they begged Christ to help him. And fourth, they brought him under the teaching of Christ. All right? That's what happened right there. They knew the man. They most likely communicated that he needed Jesus. They begged Christ to help him. They brought him under the teaching of Christ. You can look at that as a model of evangelism. That first of all, there's relationship. That if we want to see our friends and our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, fellow students, come to know Jesus Christ, it starts at knowing them. It starts at relationship. That doesn't mean all evangelism is with people that you know very well, but most in most cases, that's going to be that's going to be the situation. It's going to be people that God's going to call you to know them first, to know who they are, to know what their needs are, to love the person, to walk with the person, and then ultimately, ultimately getting to, from the relationship. Secondly, to a gospel proclamation. Basically, I need to take you to Jesus. I need to introduce you to Jesus. I want, I want you to know about Jesus Christ. And so what they did is, after knowing them and engaging Him and engaging in His current needs, they're saying, you need Christ and His healing. And also, that was, as we would go forward in, in that model, is to be able to say, you need Christ and His healing in your life. And you need to know that Jesus loves you very much. That's gospel proclamation. It deals with the core need of their heart, and it deals with the core character of Jesus, and that Jesus has a great love for them. So, a relationship, evangelism model, number one. And number two, gospel proclamation. Number three is prayer. Prayer. All right? Again, what this is, is, is they, they came and they they begged him. This, this, this term in here, it actually it means that they begged him, please lay your hand upon my friend. Guys, this is a part of evangelism that some of y'all are very good at and others of y'all, you're missing it. You're missing the boat here. Is you're not begging Jesus to lay his hand upon him. Now some people take issue with that and say, that, that just sounds wrong, David, because you shouldn't beg God for what he wants to do already because it sounds like you're saying he doesn't want to do it. No. The Bible clearly tells us to ask God to do what is already on his heart. So we align with, with, with who he is. And so it's very right for us to do. And it's, it's kind of a priestly duty where we're, we're standing in the gap. It's like, here's our friend and here's God. And we're just kind of saying, God, would you please, would you please engage? Would you, would you grab your hand and reach down and place it upon this man, this woman, this student, this boy and girl's heart. And we do this consistently. Now who's, who's in your path? Who's on your radar right now that God would say this is a person to consistently pray for? That maybe you're not. Somebody that God's brought into your path and he, they're a friend of yours, they're a family member of yours. He, and he's either saying, look, you already have the relational construct there. You need tell them they need Jesus, but you need to be praying consistently for them, okay? Third part of the model is to pray. Fourth part of the model is to get them under the Word of God, all right? Now, that's what they did, is they brought this man and got him under, into the presence of Jesus, 
They got them under the word of God. And so um, this is only going to happen to people that are open to this, okay? And so as the friendship deepens, as you, as you t- courageously stretch out and just say, you know, are you interested in, in unpacking more of who Jesus is? Uh, would you be interested in reading this book? Uh, maybe the reason, for, the reason for God by Tim Keller. To read through that with me. Or, or Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Are you interested in reading this with me? Or if with a friend that, that you have credibility with to be able to say, hey, um, I know you've got issues with, with church and Christianity, church history, but the core to all of it is Jesus. Would you be open to reading through the biography called John? The biography of John. Um, the biography of Jesus by John, and uh, and to, to walk through and, and us to unpack who Jesus Jesus really is, getting them under the voice of Jesus, Get, getting them into the presence of Jesus. That's one of the things about about um, gathering together, whether it be a, like one of our journey groups when you come together, um, sojourn scattered is what we call that, or have having to do with right here sojourn gathered, where we say. We want to bring people into the presence of God and also under the teaching of God. The presence of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. What about the presence of Jesus? Well, he says that when we worship Him, that he is, He's present with us, with His people. When we cry out to Him. That as we're, as we're proclaiming His Word, as we're singing to Him, as we're praying to Him, as we're, as we're um, um, taking communion that God comes, the presence of God being in a building like a bank among his people, that this is something that's very real. We get him under, under into the presence of God, get him into, into, the, uh, into the word of God. We need to care enough to bring our friends to Christ. Now this assumes that, that we're being connected to our unbelieving friends it assumes that we have a connection with those that are helpless and those that are, that are hurting. That we're praying for unbelieving friends, but we're also praying for, praying for other friends that, that, are, that are helpless, those that are, that are hurting, that are damaged. And we bring them to the voice of Jesus. Verse 33 says, And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. So he pulled the guy, pulled the guy uh, uh, away privately. Um, and this is a, a, it's a beautiful thing that shows that, I mean, Jesus, when he died upon the cross, he died, he died for his bride. He was coming to, to rescue the people of God. And he did. And he paid the price, the ransom for, for the, the church, universal, all those that the people of God before then, those living presently, and all those future, which includes us. Um, but sometimes that can, that can become ambiguous. Uh, it can be like plasma. You know? we, we can't connect that as well. We must know, though, that God loves us so much that though while He was on the cross, there's no telling how many billions of people that He was, he was paying that price for that individually, privately, Jesus comes and touches people. He comes and He touches you. He says, I love you and I want to heal you. He took Him aside and He dealt with Him right where He was. The 
He dealt with his ears and his tongue. There's so much of what we believe as a person that, and the things that we do that are connected to listening and speaking. We believe what we hear over and over and over and over again. We believe what we're preached, what's preached to us. Because eventually, if we don't believe it, we're going to cut it off. We're, we're just not going to get around it very much. But you're going to eventually, you're going to start surrounding yourself with voices that you want to hear. And that can be very dangerous. Because we like to, we like to surround ourselves with people that will agree with what we have to think. It's like, I'm the top of the food chain. What I believe in my philosophies, I'm just going to search for those that will fall under that. Well, if, if you're God, that's okay. But I'm not, neither are you. And so what God wants us to do is rather to put him at the top of the food chain and say, God, now you come and through your word and through your people, you challenge what I think. You show me where what I believe is congruent and lines up with your word, your will, your designs. But God, be brutally honest with me in revealing where, it's, where I'm outside of what the word of God really is. James uh, James 3, 5, and 8 talks about the tongue in particular as being, a, as being an, an enemy at times. Verse 5 says, The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. All right? So the tongue in its natural state, and the tongue when we're, when we're not surrendered to Christ, is an enemy that causes all kinds of problems. And I know you guys have seen this. It's happened to you, and it's happened by you. As well, tongue being a problem. So Jesus had some interesting actions in here, and um, of what he did. I mean, he he put his fingers in this guy's ears, and then and then he and then he spat. It's like, what you know? Why did Jesus act out in this in this manner? I believe I believe it's because the man couldn't understand his words. Um. So Jesus was communicating to the man in a way that he knew what his issues were. and I mean, again, this guy may have, have had no clue who Jesus really was. And so, instead of him saying all these words that he wouldn't understand necessarily, he spoke the guy's heart language. He spoke sign. He spoke, he spoke with his body. Uh, he, he, very, he very specifically said... By putting his fingers into his ears, I know what's going on in you. I know you can't hear. And in just a moment, when he ends up touching the man's tongue, he's saying, I know where you are. I know what ails you. I, I, know, I know what caused you so much pain in your life. Guys, that's God. That's Jesus. He's right here in your life right now. And he knows the issues that you're struggling with. He privately pulls us aside and reveals to us, I know who you are. I know where you've been. I know what you struggle with. And here I am anyway. 
Here I am. I am your answer. That's what, he's, that's what he says to us. Of all the junk, all the things that go on in our life, he still stands right there face to face. He says, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. I love you. I am your healer. Stop trying to be your healer. You're never going to get there. I am your healer. So he stuck fingers in the guy's ears. Scripture says he spat. Now there's, there's three, there's three uh, common uh, interpretations of what, of what took place here. Um, one of them would be that he spat on the ground. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't uh, distinguish what it, what it was exactly where, where he spat. But one would, some would say that he spat on the ground, that that was, that was a show to say that there was a demon that was possessing the man, that that was calling, causing the difficulties here, and that, uh, that spitting on the ground was a way of saying the demon's now gone. All right? That's one interpretation. That's not, that's not, that's not what I think was going on here. Uh, nevertheless, it certainly would point to the, the power of God and how Jesus does free people from spiritual possession or oppression. Secondly, some would say that he actually spit right in the guy's mouth. They spit right on the man's tongue. And it's possible. I mean, it's strange enough anyway. And he, he would do things that just, that just cause people to ask questions. And it's possible that that's what he, what he did. And, um, and then being a healing coming from that. The third one, which I think is what probably happened here, and it's, it's just as strange as the others, but I believe that what he did was that he actually spit into his hands, probably onto his fingers, and then he touched the man's tongue with, with his fingers. Um, again, this, this reveals to us that there is... There are things in your life that you cannot be the answer for. I mean, I'm all for, for us being strong. There's plenty of things that people do uh, in this world that are, that, are, that are good and philanthropic that they do without being a Christian whatsoever. There's a lot of goodness, if, if, you, if you would. But when it comes to the, to the root of who we are, that we cannot be ultimately good without God. That there's big healings and big things, big baggage in our life that no matter how hard that we try to, try to seek reconciliation, restoration, healing in our life, we never get there. And He wants us to know, look, you must have an intimate connection with me. Doesn't get much more intimate than spit, does it? Intimate connection with Jesus Christ for true healing to take place in our life. Verse 34, it says he looked up into heaven and he sighed and he said to him. Let's just stop there for just a second. He sighed. Um, the sighing that took place there, again, this is one of the things, it's not, it's not completely spelled out what was going, going on there. There's some, there's some uh, uh, theologians that would say that this was just a, this was, the, the human part of, of, of Jesus, the God-man, of, of that, this was, that this was something really big here, and this is a wrestling, a wrestling with, okay, what's, what's going on, and Holy Spirit, show me what it is that I, I need to do 
so that I can follow the will of, of my Father here. Um, certainly, um, it, it would be connected to a groaning, that it would be deep and emotional, that this deals with both his, his prayer and his heart, what's going on in this little piece here. It's speaking to the prayer of Jesus and to the heart of Jesus. So he, t- he basically, through this, this sigh that took place, this was a quick prayer that Jesus prayed to his Father. Um, it was a quick and powerful prayer. Um, I, I, we mentioned this a lot. I'm going to say, mention it again from John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. This is a foundational uh, scripture to understanding how Jesus went about his life and also what's modeled for us where he said, Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, truly, truly I say to you, the Son, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Father does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel. Okay? So Jesus, in his humbled form as the God-man, the way that he connected to the will of the Father was through the Holy Spirit. And it shows, this shows that, I mean, eternally past, Jesus has always been uh, equal with the Father, but also subservient, you know, submissive to the will of the Father, the head, the head of the Trinity, and uh, through the Holy Spirit, that that He would be connected with what God was up to and what God wanted the Son to do, and and He would do it. And so, in this, you know, you can you can just imagine Jesus connecting to the Father, and and you may ask, well, what did he what did he pray? What did Jesus pray real quick? We're, we're not sure. Not sure what he prayed, but his heart would have been close to something like this. Dad, reveal to me through the Holy Spirit what you're doing here that will bring glory to me. I will join you. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll hit that again because this is a great way to pray to God. Whether it's you've got a long time to pray over something, and unpack it, or just instantaneously, on the spot, there's a decision that has to be made right then and there. That in a submissive way, we quickly say, Dad, reveal to me, through the Holy Spirit, what you're doing here that will bring glory to Jesus. You guys with me? It's a quick, powerful prayer. Dad, reveal to me, through the Holy Spirit, what you are doing here that will bring glory to Jesus, I will join you. I'm telling you, that kind of a submissive prayer, man, God loves that heart. He loves that humble humble heart. So this little part here deals with his quick prayer, but it also deals with, with his heart. Guys, when you, uh, when you go to work, when you go to school, do you ever stop to look at the people around you? Um, I know so many times we're, we're so overwhelmed with um, the pressures we have, the decisions we've got to make, all the things that have to do with, with us. But every once in a while, do you, do you catch yourself? Do you catch the Holy Spirit just kind of leading you to look around and to see the, to see the folks that are around you, and especially to look around and to either you know people that are unbelievers or Man, sometimes you're in, in a massive traffic 
or in just a huge race you're running and there's hundreds or thousands of people there or, or uh, you're in the middle of a big city and there's tens of thousands of people that you can see and know that God loves these people. Does your heart ever break for the sea of humanity that's around you? Does your heart move when we see those that are physically hurt that are placed around us? Those that are emotionally scarred? Those that financially, they're impoverished? Does your heart break with those that God has placed around us? Listen, Jesus' heart broke for those who are physically hurt, emotionally scarred, and financially bankrupt. And He still does love them. And the Father cares for them and still does. And the Holy Spirit cares for them and still does. And the Holy Spirit is in you today if you're a Christian. And He cares for those that are around you. Have you been too busy to care? Have you been, have you been so locked into your struggles and your difficulties, your goals, your agendas, that you miss the people that are around you? You've been too busy to care? If that's you, then listen. You don't have to be crushed by a bunch of guilt. Just confess it. Just say, God, you know, I've been apathetic. I've, I've been so focused on me. I've been so focused inwardly on what's going on in my life that I've just missed the people that are around me. Confess it and then turn away from that attitude. Jesus said, Ephatha, uh, that is, be opened. And it's, this, is, this is unique within the book of Mark. Um, the only time this word Ephatha occurs, because uh, it's actually, this is a Greek transliteration of an Aramaic term. Um, and so, I mean, Mark himself is, he's, he's, he's writing it in a way that people would see, okay, this is what the word sounded like. That's what the, tra- the transliteration is of the actual Aramaic word. And then he defines what it, what it was. He wanted people to know that Jesus spoke in the guy's language. He spoke in his language. Now, in a moment, the man is going to be healed and he's going to speak plainly. Um, and this may indicate that the man was, he used to be able to hear and speak, and that's what I think. And if so, this is not a miracle of giving what the person never had, but restoring what's been lost. Are you with me? Now, there's some of y'all in here that you're Christians and you look back in your life and. Uh, you, uh, you say, you know, man, I, just, I wish I loved Jesus like I used to. Man, I wish I had the passion of when I was in my youth group <clears throat> as a teenager. Or you may look, and man, I was, I was saved through a, a college ministry or through a church while I was in college. And man, I was, I was so hungry for the Word of God during that time. I just wish, just wish that I was like that. Or you've been on some mission trips overseas. Or you've, you've been plugged into to ministries to, to the poor, the neg- neglected, the, the needy in, in your past, and you just, look, you just look and say, God, I just wish I was like I used to be. Listen, listen to me. God does not want to crush you with guilt. God does not want you to, to be like you used to be. God wants to free you to proclaim Him right where you are right now. That He has everything that you need. You don't, you don't need to, to let your mind spin to say, how can I get back to where I used to be? 
All you got to do is just say, Jesus is Lord right here and right now. God, change me and reveal to me and show me how I can be freed. Because there's some of y'all in here that you're a Christian and God wants to speak ephatha to you. He wants, he, wants to, he wants to pull the plugs from your ears to where you can hear His voice clearly like you haven't in years. And it doesn't have to be like you used to. And it doesn't have to be like it's going to be in 10 years. It can be, God, speak to me right now where I am. And He wants to loose your tongue as well. He wants to do this in, in your life. Let's, let's unpack this a bit. His ears were opened. His tongue was released. And He spoke plainly. Oswald Chambers said, Uh, about this passage, he said, the master speaker, Jesus, after conveying his life to us by means of his words, turns us loose into a tower of Babel and tells us to speak his message there. The missionary is one whom Jesus Christ has taken aside from the multitude and having put his fingers into his ears and touched his tongue, has sent him straight forth from hearing his master with his own tongue loosened and his speech plain to speak all the words of his life. This past week, um, there's a few men that uh, went with me to Nashville to an Acts 29 one-day conference, um, which Acts 29 Network is the church planning network that we're a part of. Google it, check it out if you're not familiar with that. Just a a great group of men and, and churches that our heart is just about Jesus and planting churches. Uh, that's what the network exists for. And, and Matt, um, he, said, uh, he said this. He said, let's not make this too complicated. Tell others about Christ. We, we overcomplicate things. And many times I mean, we just get away from just the potency of, man, just tell people about Christ tell people it's the gospel it is incredible news and if and if there's something that's binding your tongue it may be that you don't think it's such great news you need to unpack that unpack that with some friends you say you know what my life tells me that i must not think it's the greatest news of all can we explore that can we dig into that some more Verse 36 and 37, Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he's done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And you may ask, well, you know, told them not to tell. I mean, that didn't make any sense, does it? You know, Jesus did something fantastic. It's a revelation that Jesus is powerful and, may, you know, maybe God himself. Certainly that's something that needs to be to be said, right? Well, see, the thing is, is that the more commotion that there was about Jesus being their definition of the Messiah, the more it kept him from effectiveness in ministry. It hindered him. The more, the more people spread, spread news about him being what they thought that he was, that it actually hindered his ministry. And the same goes true for us right here is that when we misrepresent Jesus, we hinder true ministry. That's why we've got to be people of the Word. And every one of us, me included, there are elements of Jesus and of the church and of what ministry is supposed to be that we've, just, we've got it from experience, people we know, uh, the things that have happened, good, bad, or ugly. It has not come from the Bible. We need to be people of the Word that 
that we're careful to represent Jesus for who he really is. But one of the beautiful things in this is they were saying he does all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And what a great, what a great, uh, what a great lead-in to sharing people, sharing with people about Christ. God does all things well. He even does blank. He even loves an idiot like me. He even healed my mom. He even saved my marriage. You fill in the blank of your story of what God has done. It's Simple and it's profound. Um, I want to. I want to bring up uh, one of our leaders, uh, Luke Doran. Luke is uh, is uh, part of the uh, the leadership team here at Sojourn. These guys that walk with me, so grateful for him. And um, Luke, if you uh, just come on over here, brother. Um, just have a a couple questions for you, my my friend here. Um, is he's, he's not perfect, and he, he'll quickly say that. But he is a great example of someone who not only loves um, non-Christian friends, but has developed just some great rhythms of inviting them into his life and building credibility. And so, Luke, I, just first of all, um, uh, let's see. Um, what, what, are, what are some ways that, that you and, and your life and where you live have invited unbelieving friends into your life and it's built credibility to get to a place where you can speak the gospel to them. To them. Um, so uh, I guess to, to follow what you said, uh, God will bring the people. Hmm. You know, it's just a, a, an understanding of who they are and where they are. And so um, hmm. I've been fortunate that God has just brought people um, who just have questions. Hmm. And uh, I think... Being taking their questions seriously um, mm. has really um, been, been I think helpful to them. Um, mm. But I guess you know I just have the other thing is is as you said is God will give you what you need for, mm. in these areas. And so um, actually it was uh, um, I've, I've thought for a while this is a specific example um, that CrossFit could be used for uh, for uh, just for a lot of awesome things, but. Uh, personal evangelism i think and i actually my sister's in uh has moved to china and they're actually going to open up a crossfit gym there they'll be the i think maybe the first one but basically um i just i love doing that and um have uh, a lot of just neighbors around me that that I, i've gotten to know a little bit and uh have just invited them to to join me at, at uh and any of you guys too um <laughs> wednesdays and fridays at six thirty in the morning and, and if it's too cold we work out in our uh, in our garage which has one one car but we have you know five or six people just showing up and, and it's been fantastic just because as a uh, as a coach you have the opportunity to to speak into people's lives in a way that you don't if you're just friends with them and uh, that's just been a lot of fun and hmm. I, I don't know if, um I, I think that kind of answers yeah them. yeah and so yeah absolutely so what what luke's done is he said All right where am I? What do I do? And who's around me? And how can I bridge those for relationships, which then becomes catalytic for conversations about, about Christ? And so he's a guy that uh, values, values physical fitness. He's invited some neighbors. And, and because, because of that, um, trust has been developed. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah. one one of the potent things that that Luke said right there in the minute in the beginning is, you don't have to, you don't have to look too far. Sometimes we'll look over the people God's placed around us already. Uh, that God's already placed people around you that He wants you to engage with the gospel and just start there. Yeah. And uh, you know, I met I met another uh, uh, person. Um, recently just when i was at the store hmm. and uh, they were just at a place where they were had questions you know um and we're, we're looking and seeking around just to kind of try to know um try to try to seek after god in their own way and so that's just a great opportunity to get to know them and i, I just found that that's that's happened a lot uh, mm-hmm. that god just brings the people and he'll give you what you need and so back to the crossfit example i didn't know i would like to coach so got all these people coming and i don't actually do the exercises i just coach them they're like what are you what are you doing why are you doing that that's actually i actually like this mm-hmm. i didn't think i would but i actually like you know watching and, and doing this with you so it's been a it's been fantastic to to get to do that um a couple things i was just thinking about i want to share uh from a from a uh, professor named uh jerem bars who's a professor at uh covenant theological seminary he he had mentioned uh to me in a in a lecture that that i was at um about a month ago, just the good things about our culture. You know, we always talk about the, the things that are problematic about our culture and why it's difficult. But that a few things I just want to share with you all, that our culture values story. Mm. We really value this. We emphasize stories as being very interesting and important, and each person has their own story. And, and it gives you a real authentic way to share the story of God, that it's one, you know, using N.T. Wright, for example, he says the Bible is one story from beginning to end of God bringing his people back together. And so there's a reason that you would you would engage in that story, even if you don't really believe it or you don't really think it's a, a really good, um, you know, example mm. of how we should live because there's mm. so many bad things that happen um, mm. in the Bible. Um, second thing, and you all know this, is spirituality. I mean, so people are spiritual, and they will engage you in those conversations just because mm-hmm. they, too, uh, think that, that they value that. Um, people want it want you to take their questions seriously and not have answers all the time mm-hmm. you know and so i that's think good. that that's been that's been a joy to me too because it's just fun to to wrestle with important questions um that, mean, that means the pressure's off to have to have all the answers right that's right tim keller has them so mm-hmm. just, <laughs> um but he, he mentioned the reason for god that's a great great book yeah. if, if you can't if no one wants to read it you can obviously he uh he goes through it with martin Bashir, who is a uh, you know, interviewed Michael Jackson. He's like this really hard-edged uh, 2020 journalist or something. And he, he basically, Tim uh, goes through the reason for God with him. So just al- it allows the person that you're talking with not to have to ask the question like, well, how could a good God allow this to happen? How could, mm. you know, Martin asks those questions and Tim answers. And so that's, that's really helpful. Um, and people believe that the world is broken. They think, yeah. they actually agree with that. And so I think yeah. that there's, there's a way that that actually plays into the story of the gospel, obviously, mm-hmm. that, that God came and entered into reality mm-hmm. in time, in space, a real person, and there's tremendous evidence of that. And so it, it just, you know, all these things can actually be used uh, to, to mm-hmm. further that discussion. Awesome. All right, so God, God has just shown you how, with where you're at, how to invite people into your life, just what, what you're already doing. Uh, and to build relationships, and then those can move into conversations that become spiritual conversations that become gospel conversations. Another thing, though, Luke has done, though, is 
is he's taken some strategic steps in inviting people into um, studying studying the Bible and unbelievers. Will you hit on that real quick? Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, we've just had the opportunity. When, when people have questions and you're willing to take them seriously, you just have the opportunity to to you know trade books with people and uh, mm-hmm. and then just kind of enter into enter into discussions about who is God. If 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 you kind of agree that there is a God, then who is He? And so um, there's just been a great opportunity to do that. Just mm-hmm. in the mornings, um, in the uh, I have a Bible study Billy and I do together, and so we've had uh, unbelieving friends join us and you know uh, become Christians in some cases, uh, yeah. and you know some some bounce off and. Yeah. Don't want to do it, but yeah. you know, there's a, there's a, I think it seems to me, and you know, Karen does this too, is is that you can, you, you want to be able to have. I want to read the book of John with you. You you you, you can do that, but you you need to have a place to plug people in, and so I think you know obviously church is a great one, small groups are another one, or if you have a Bible study that you're in, it's helpful because you can only have so many mm-hmm. meetings with people before you say, hey look, I'm doing this other thing. Can you join me in that? Because you know, obviously otherwise you're Breakfast, lunches, and dinners would all be, right. all be taken up. Right. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if you guys caught that, but um, Billy, Billy, Luke, um, they've they've invited some unbelieving friends into into a study with them, and and several have been saved as a result of it. And so, I mean, I, I just want to make that as plain as possible. Is uh, you know, you may think I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if it's going to work. Just invite people. Study. Study the Bible. Grab a, grab another Christian friend or two, and 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 get and say let's 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 get together on a consistent basis, and then let's invite some unbelieving friends. And strangely enough, some of your unbelieving friends will say, "Yeah, we're glad to do that." And then others don't, and you don't don't sweat that. It's not on you, but just the invitation is is key. So, uh, Luke, man, thanks so much. We just appreciate your uh, your faithfulness uh, and. Uh, um, what God's been doing uh, in you, brother. Um, just as we close here today, you guys, um, uh, there there may be somebody in here that you just think, you know what, I, I just I just don't feel like I really hear from God. All right, and if you're a non-Christian, if you're one that's never surrendered to Christ, then right now, today, this moment is the time for you just to say, I surrender, white flag, save me, Jesus. You know, and, and man, God is right in the middle of that and you'll, you know, He's going to work in your life and save you, forgive you for your sins. But those of you guys who are Christians, you're, I just don't feel like I hear from God. I mean, just stop and just ask the Lord to say, God, I, I want to I hear from you. In fact, let's just, let's just pause for just a second. Let's anchor there for a second. And so, again, any, any of you men, women, students, boys and girls, that, that's where you're at, and just take a, take a moment and just say, God, I want to hear clearly from you. Just take a moment and you and God do some business. All right. Now, there may be somebody in here, some of y'all in here, that you just you know that there's some kind of an obstacle that hinders you from talking about God. That there's something that's tying up your tongue in being able to 
to, to have the courage to or the strategy to, to talk about Christ with others. Let's, let's pause there. And, and let's, ask God, let's ask God to do what He did with that man. To come and to, to break open our ears, to hear from Him, and also loosen our tongues. Let's, let's go there. Let's ask God to, to give you, to give you the freedom and the power to be able to speak about Him to others. just to kind of take it to the next step. We don't just believe in Jesus' community, but mission that's not only for the gospel for the lost, but also for the helpless, the wounded, the poor, the hurting. And for some of us, man, you, you feel like you hear okay, you feel like you can speak the gospel, but your, the action's not there. Being able to love those that are around you, helping the helpless, bandage the wounded. Let's Let's pray there as well and just say, God, give me the courage, the clarity, the strategy for doing your compassionate work around me. Take a moment, pray. Lastly, there may be somebody in here that you just need, you need physical healing. This was a physical healing too that took place. And man, you just would love to just place yourself at the foot of Jesus as well and, and to ask that God would, would do a healing in your life. And, uh, and I, I want to ask this, um, there's no pressure here, but if there's anybody in any of those categories that you want to hear more clearly from God, you want to speak the gospel to others, um, or you need you need to engage in compassionate ministry more, or you need physical healing. If there's anybody in here that that that's you, and you'd be bold enough to just stand up uh, right now where you are, and we just want to direct our prayers for you. Is there anybody anybody in here? It's courageously. It's like that's me, and I need I need strength. Okay, all right, yep. Yeah, in any of those areas. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Okay. All right. Let me pray for us. And when we get done um, praying, we're going to open up the, the time uh, for communion just to go before the Lord. But I also just want to invite you uh, that if, if there's somebody around you, feel free to just kind of surround them, place your hand on their shoulder and all that. And just as I'm praying that you be you be praying for them um, and just ask God to do a special work in, in their life. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for uh, the men, the women, the students that are, that are before us. Lord, we declare that, that you love us and uh, that you want to do a work within us, Lord. There's some of us that, man, we just want to hear, hear you very clearly, God. And so we ask for uh, the beauty and the power of your touch upon them right now to hear very clearly from Jesus Christ, Lord. Bless them. Release hearing and clarity in them right now, God. 
for those that they uh, have such a desire to speak more clearly, to speak the gospel, to point to Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus, we declare your hand is upon them, that you're just releasing that, and you're releasing them. It's not a pressure they have to perform. They've, they've got to say just the right things, but it's a freedom just to point to Jesus Christ, Lord, that you're the center of who they are, and we declare your blessings on them, Lord. Release them in the name of Jesus. For those that just say, you know what, man, I, I just need to be more compassionate, I need to be more strategic and loving, loving those that are helpless and wounded, um, God, just release us into mission, God. Release us to be more compassionate with those that are around in our city, in our nation, around the world, God. Just reveal within us what that's supposed to look like, God. And uh, God, finally, anybody who needs physical healing, and God, I, I, can't, I can't demand that you touch them and heal them, but we ask them in the name of Jesus, and we know in faith that you are able to heal anything. And so, Lord, any kind of a physical infirmity or any kind of an emotional difficulty that needs healing, any kind of a mental difficulty, God, or relational healing that needs to take place, God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would show up, that you would bless these men, these women, these students, boys and girls, Lord, in a powerful way that, you're, that you do your work within them, God. And so we, we declare that you are doing a, a special work in our life. And Lord, in just a moment, those who are Christians in here, Lord, whether they're members of Sojourn or not, those who are Christians, we're going to go to the tables. And we'll take the bread, Lord, We'll dip it into the wine or into the, into the juice, and we declare that your body was broken for us, your blood was, was poured out for us, Lord, that grace has been given to us, Lord. We've been adopted never to be unloved. So God bless us as we declare the gospel in this way, as we worship, and in just a few moments as, we're, as we give finances and as we are sent back out into your mission field in the city and beyond. Lord bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.